beer pour and a yay to my co-hosts for their fantastic job they did over at the Salty Fly this past weekend. Thank you, thank you. I'm, ha- I'm actually having one right now as, as we speak. <laughs> you take two. You take two kayakers. Granted, you own a flats boat, but you take two guys that spend ninety percent of their time in kayaks. Throw them in a flat skiff. Send them over to the other side of the state, and they 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 win the Calcutta for five hundred bucks and two cheeky fly reels. <laughs> right. Against against arguably the toughest competition in a fly fishing tournament that one could ever stand to want to deal with. Right. <laughs> you ain't kidding, man. Some of the competition is there. You look at the people that were there and like, holy cow. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You know what? I, I, I told uh, – I, I told um, – Chris Sensi tonight, I was talking to him on the phone, and, you know, he, he's a little Debbie Downer because, of course, he didn't do very well. Whatever. He still showed up and fished. That's cool. But uh, it's it's pretty neat, man, to see you guys uh, get him heated up. He's, he's a little fired up right now. I think that he's going <laughs> to unleash the fury at the next uh, tournament you guys fish against him at probably the next Florida Pro, I would imagine. Yeah, it is an Explorer Pro. We, I was just on the phone with him about a half hour ago. Same thing. He was, <laughs> he was going off. But he's like, you know, he wants he's to like, unleash the fury. What's that? He goes, I don't even understand. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I'm happy for him. It's freaking awesome. But at the same time, you know, I mean, whatever. <laughs> he's just like <laughs> that <dude. laughs> He didn't even know what to say. He was just like, he's going in circles. It was funny. That's it. I'm telling you, when we were driving, when we were driving to the check-in, to the to the weigh-in, right, Al and I are already, we're already there, and he's just coming off the water, you know. It was one of those things, and he calls us up, so what you see is what he says. So what you see? And I'm like, uh, we saw fish, dude. We saw redfish. We saw fish. So, uh, yeah, but. Yeah, but what did you see? How, 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 how did you see the fish, all the stuff and everything? I go, well, we saw fish up close and personal is what I told him. <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean? And I go, I'm telling you, we saw fish up close and personal on the boat. <laughs> no, you're not. You're lying. No, you didn't. You're lying. You're lying. You know him. You know the way he gets. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. He man. did not believe us that we had to put it this way. He made Alan and I – he, I was talking to him, telling him this. He goes, put Alan on the phone. Put Alan on the phone. He's telling me, put Alan on the phone. I was like, okay. I put Alan on the phone. He's telling Alan, if you guys caught fish, text me the pictures. Text me the pics. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. yeah well, I'll tell you what, man. It's uh, That's one hell of an accomplishment. And, and that's that goes down as one of those things that, that I don't know. I don't know, man. You guys are going to have a hard time topping something like that because – even though, even though, you know, would you guys finish 14th out of 100 teams? Yeah, 14th out of 100 teams. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, and against top-notch, top-notch fly fishermen that were there. I mean, these yeah, were basically hand-selected, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, some Sam, of them, you know, Sam Root. Some of them that yeah, some of them that are there are, you know, some of those guys that are there are full-time guides. They fly fish a lot, you know, and and I don't know. You know, it's just one of those things, you know. <laughs> Crazy. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I'm very, very proud of you guys, and uh, I was stoked. I, man, I, I was telling uh, – who the hell was I talking? Oh, I was talking to Randy English. I told Randy English when you guys had gotten a hold of me, let me know how you did. I was like, wow, man, that's awesome. To a couple of our local dudes, kayakers going over there and, and putting it down, and and even just even just competing in that tournament, you guys actually went out and caught two very nice redfish on fly, and you know you you put the boat in the right position, the whole thing. Alan didn't did he hook you? Did he ever hook you? Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, Alan hooked me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, Alan did hook me. He hooked me. Alan did get. Uh, I mean, he did good all day long, man. He only hooked me once all day, man. But that fly, there was several times. You know how it is when you're fly fishing like that on a boat. I'm on that polling platform, man, and all of a sudden we see a fish, like at three o'clock on a boat or something like that. And now all of a sudden that fly is flinging. You know, he's got to fling it whichever way he can. And that thing is zipping like a foot from my ear. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, and I've That's been awesome. ducking, you know. I, I even got on my knees several times. I was on a phone platform on my knees because I did not want him to hook me. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, Very cool. You know, Very cool. Yeah, we did We did a good... Uh, it was a good teamwork effort there, you know. It was, it, we did really well as far as working together and stuff and positioning. You know, I positioned the boat for him. He was throwing that fly around all day long and... Pretty much everything worked good, and there was no time for if you notice we didn't have. We took a few few pictures what we took, but not really any videos or anything like that or anything because it was just one of those things. You know how tournament fishing is. You're more you're more concerned about catching fish than anything else. And on top of that, as soon as he would hook a chuck, as soon as he hooked the fish, I was jumping off the pole platform. I mean, I was jumping off that thing and grabbing the net and just hanging off the side of the boat waiting for that net. Waiting for that fish to get closer for me to net it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You know, and uh, I'm ho- I'm going to try and get a hold of Sam and see if there's a spot open for next year, or if he can if he can send out an invite. I think I, I think Alex and I would like to take a shot at going over there and, and playing with you guys in that tournament, man. I'd love to just have an opportunity to compete against some of those dudes. You know. I'm telling you, you got if, if Sam can get you in for next year, it is well worth it. I'm telling you, it is awesome. I mean, especially if Alex takes his boat, you know what I'm saying, and go on a flats boat, dude, it is Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah, that's what we would do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty it, neat, I man. Mean, pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, it's a great thing. So we've uh, we kind of started the show off with a bang there, talking about uh, – Peppy's exciting weekend. Uh, you are listening to Kayak Fishing Radio here on the Kayak Fishing Radio Network. This is the Monday night kickoff show. I am your host, Charles Levi. As you just heard, that's Peppy Vidal. And we're just kind of going to chit-chat a little bit tonight. I think we're going to uh, dive into just some local fishing reports, that kind of thing. I did a little fishing today. Uh, went out did a little scouting yesterday. <clears throat> I'll tell you what. I went out yesterday. I had a, about an hour or so to burn before uh, I had to go to work. And 
I went to a spot that typically holds big, big trout this time of year. And I was hoping that they would be home. So I come sliding up to this area and I look, you know, I stand up and I start looking, I'm pulling into the area, keeping it nice and stealthy. And uh, sure enough, man, I bet you if I saw a dozen, there was at least two dozen fish there. Um, and every one of them was a stud. Every trout was close to 25 inches or bigger. And, uh, Man. yeah, yeah. Well, that was exciting to see because I hadn't been there in a while. It's an, it's in an area that <clears throat> isn't heavily pressured with fishing traffic, but it's heavily pressured with boat traffic. So, um, it was good to still see that they, they came, they came back this year. Today, Alex and I snuck out and, uh, Alex Gorichke of local line charters. We snuck out and, uh, went to a flat that is commonly run over by guides, not often hit by kayakers. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll just give you that little nugget. Cause I'm not going to, not going to give out the details of this said location because, uh, what we found there today was nothing short of awesome. Let's just say we found the Indian River permit. <clears throat> Not real permit, but Indian River's version of a permit. There were so many pompano on this flat. Pepe, when I tell you that every like 25 yards, there'd be another group of pompano. Man, that's awesome. And they were they were basically tailing. They're dro- they dropped their face down. They're digging around in the sand looking for something to eat. And when Alex and I first saw them, I thought they were ladyfish off in the distance because they were so shiny. And hey, you just, I just couldn't get a real good look at them. When we got up on them, I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> wait a second. And they were oh, good man. size too. They were they were the kind of pompano that you hoped that you would catch off the beach. They were they were good sized fish. And on top of that. In the shallow, shallow water, bro, there were so many giant trout. I'm talking hundreds, hundreds of big giant trout. And and like, Alex saw one, and I, all I hear from Alex is, holy crap. That's not what he said. <laughs> but he said, holy something. And he goes, yeah, you know. that trout, he goes, that trout is the size of my leg. <laughs> Dude, it, there were some monsters out there today. And so uh, <clears throat> the interesting thing was the bite was real, real slow. The bite was real, real slow. And uh, we're three must have thrown at hundreds of fish between trout and, and pompano and the occasional redfish. Finally, we're on our way back to the launch, and uh, Alex looks up and he sees a big school of reds, so he calls me over. Um, Big, 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 big upper slot fish. And, uh, you know, what was interesting is they were all hugging the bottom. They were all tight, real bunched up, real tight, hugging the bottom. And if you didn't drag the lure, whatever you were throwing, if you didn't drag it right in front of their face, they wouldn't even touch it. I threw it, uh, I threw, yeah, I threw a silver mullet SST, um, Adam rigged on a, chartreuse jig head tommy head jig and 
put it right through the center of the school three or four times and they wouldn't touch it. It wasn't until I literally, like, as slow as you can possibly reel, reeled it across the bottom in front of them when one of them finally slurped it up and ate it. But dude, talk about tournament fish. Every, my, I caught one and Alex caught two. And between our three fish, um, I bet you mine was probably pushing 26 and a quarter. Uh, Alex's were probably 26 and a half and 27 on the money. I mean, they were real close. And it, fat, super fat. Start, starting to see some finger mullet showing up. Uh, not a lot, but I saw, you know, saw a couple good bunches of finger mullet moving around. And then had about a 40-inch redfish come shooting up past me, like within 10 feet of my kayak, chasing bigger mullet, like, you know, big hand size mullet. And she was hot, man. And I was trying to get her to eat, but she wouldn't eat. Um, she was on those mullet. That's what she wanted. Threw a couple of different lures today that I hadn't thrown much before. Um, threw the flats creeper from uh, Banks Lures. That was that thing is awesome. Um, I could definitely see once these things are really getting heavy on uh, on the on the mullet and on the uh, pilchards in the in the river that this thing is going to be just a killer. Um, I threw the big savage gear shrimp quite a bit today. Uh, again, I don't know, man. I don't know if it was the fact that we had some cold weather a couple nights ago, or and the water's still real chilly. Or if it's the abundance of bait that's out there, or what it is, but those fish, man, they just they they weren't really feeding a whole lot. So, but to see the pompano, man, that kind of changed the game. And in fact, just to give you an idea how weird today was, Alex took a gulp. I think it was a gulp shrimp, a white gulp shrimp, and and like cut it in a, about in about an inch long section, just a little chunk. And stuffed it on a pink jig head. I mean, it didn't even, it looked like a grub. Like, it looked like a grub that you would dig out of your yard, right? It didn't look like nothing. It's a chunk of plastic on a jig, like like a like a puffer fish ate it, but, you know, all but right behind the head of the jig head. And that's what Alex caught those two redfish on. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, yeah, it makes no sense. And that's exactly what I told him. I said, it makes absolutely no sense that they ate that. But, hey, whatever. We were actually trying to get this pompano to eat it. We weren't sure. I mean, I've seen some of the guys like um, Brian Neely and, uh, oh, man, I'm having a brain fart right now. <clears throat> Ooh, anyway, uh, I've seen some of those guys down south that uh, that catch those um, pompano on, on everything from miradines to DOA shrimp to all kinds of stuff. So, you know, we were yeah. we were throwing actually, everything. We, yeah, if yeah. you actually get yourself, I don't know if you have any, any pompano jigs. I got some. I got a couple pompano jigs that I keep with me all the time just in case. Um, I got hmm. a couple of them. Pompano, they're little, little teeny, you've seen them before, little teeny hooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just a little thing, and I just keep them with me all the time, Chuck, because of that reason. You never know on the Indian River when you're going to run into them. <laughs> I'm tell well I've yep. seen them in the uh, yeah I've seen them in the river before I've just never seen them I just have never seen that many of them you know what I'm saying like I I, I might run yeah. into a school of black drum and in between the black drum there might be a few pompano kind of scattered in between the black drum 
or same thing with redfish or big giant mullet, but I've never seen them where just about every cut in on the grass flat where the sand meets the grass, wherever there's like a little cut in, like a little kind of a, you know, a, a U-shaped cove of grass, there'd be a half a dozen to a dozen of them just sitting there chilling. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting, but uh saw a couple small black drums, saw some sheephead. <coughs> the flats were definitely alive. It was just, um, it was interesting. Oh, and then, <laughs> so uh, I wonder if I have any music where I can play for, for a Bobo report. Hang on a second here. Let's see. There's got to be something I can touch here. Maybe not. Let's see. Oh, well. Anyway, so there was a, uh, yeah, here we go. Perfect. Bobo. All right. Bobo of the week. We're out there and we're trying to like be as stealthy as we can in the morning. Mm-hmm. And this guy in an aluminum John boat with like a 75 horse outboard on it. He's sitting still, and he's just kind of sitting there chilling. He's not really moving around a whole lot. He looks like he's just throwing bait, right? And all of a sudden, I hear the telltale sign of cast net weights hitting the bottom of an aluminum boat. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he's like, you know, you shake your, you know, you shake your cast net out or whatever. You kind of tap it out so that yep. you can get all the strings tight or whatever. He's doing that <laughs> in the alum, on on the deck of the aluminum boat. It gets way worse. Hold on a second. So. <laughs> So he fires up his outboard, and he's like, he's creeping behind me and Alex. <laughs> he's like 200 yards behind us, maybe, maybe 100 yards behind us. And he just keeps, he just keeps throwing, he just keeps throwing the uh, the cast net, just hurling the stupid cast net. And I don't know what he's even netting. I don't know what he's trying to net. There's, there's, he's out like in three, maybe. Two and a half, three foot of water throwing a cast net and a big net too. I'm, I'm thinking, man, he's got to be looking for bait. Well, all the finger mullet and stuff were right near where he was at. And so we figured he's out there trying to net whatever it is we're spooking off the flat, you know? And then all of a sudden he turns around, he kind of motors away, and then he motors back, and then he motors away, and then you can hear him in the background just, just, Banging out the the weights again, and I'm like, "Wow, I mean, way to keep it, way to keep it stealthy." You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was just one of those things. You just you wanted so bad just to paddle up to the guy and be like, "Look, buddy, <laughs> you know, you're probably not going to uh, to do very well today." You know? Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, we had a this past weekend. Just that you're saying a bobo moment like that. Luckily, during the tournament. We didn't have anybody coming in close to us, which was great. But pre-fishing on Friday, when we were pre-fishing on Friday, we actually did have a guide. that He's known in that area over there. He motored up, Chuck, within 40 yards of Allen and I, where we are working the flat. Motors up, motors up, not even trolling motor, motored up within 40 yards of us and put the power pole down and started fishing right there. <laughs> And we, Alan and I are sitting there going like, really? Did this guy just do that? <laughs> yeah. And he's a guy over there in that area. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I'll tell you what, man. I was actually kind of surprised. That was the only boat we saw all day. And then when when that guy finally decided he had enough of catching catfish or puffers or whatever, because there was no shortage of puffer fish, then uh, he took off, and we had the whole flat to ourselves. And I was I was shocked. Again, I was just shocked by the number of fish we saw. And, uh, yeah, I wish I'd have caught a few more. But you know what? I mean, anytime that I, I can get an upper slot fish on plastics, I'm always happy. Um, watching Alex catch a couple, that was cool. Um, seeing those pumping over just a trip, man. I mean, that was just one of those things. Like, I even said to him, it's almost worth going and getting in the truck, going to get some shrimp and coming back. Or even just, you know, some pompano jigs or whatever. Something that we can throw at them. I was really kind of bummed because I didn't bring my fly rod. And I almost always have a fly rod with me. And because uh, I knew if I had that, I, I may have had a chance, you know. But we get out yeah. did a little bit of waiting. And, uh, you know, hoping to maybe get on some of those spooky trout. It just wasn't to be. But we had a good time, nonetheless. Well, so what's uh, yeah. what's yeah, what's next on the agenda for you, man? What do you got going on? Well, I got on Saturday. I got the kayak fishing classic on Saturday, fishing that tournament on Saturday. Um, in the Mosquito Lagoon, so I'll be doing that. That's my next next thing up on the on the list that I got um, of tournaments that I got. This is a busy month for me, man. It's real busy, man, as far as tournaments and stuff. Um. And uh, got that coming up on Saturday. And then after, I think it's a week off, nothing for a week. And then after that is the Florida Pro Redfish Series, fishing that one out of the flats boat with Alan. And I think I saw you and Alex might be fishing that one, huh? Yeah. So that's a great tournament. Let me tell you, man, that tournament, that Florida Pro Redfish Series, it's a, it, you know, of course, it's a boat tournament and it costs a little bit more. In the kayak tournament, you do pay a little bit more money, but you win that tournament. You're talking over three thousand dollars, I think, per team. You get two reactor watches, you get rods, you get. You're talking money. You know what I'm saying? And they pay out all the way to like tenth place, which is a good, you know, good good payout. So yeah, and it's our home turf. You know what I'm saying? It's our home waters. We should be able to do pretty good in it. I'm telling you what, man, if I could find those fish again we found today, I would be really, really happy for a tournament. I'm, every one of them was, was upper slot fish, man. I'm telling you, it was uh, it was interesting. But, yeah, Alex and I talked about it. You know, we'll, we'll see. Um, see what happens. I think that it's worth it's worth giving it a go, you know, at least, uh, if nothing else, to kind of promote the shop a little bit along the way as well. So, uh, yeah. But cool, man. Yeah. We, yeah. Um, what's interesting also, too, is that the water temperature, I, I don't know exactly how many degrees it is, but it, it's chilly. I mean, I, I got out in it a couple times today to, to walk around and stuff, and it's still pretty nippy. There was a lot of, oh, yeah. uh, a, lot of a lot of pinfish on the flats. Good to see that the bait's starting to show up, along with, like I said before, the, the finger mullet. And... Uh, you know, I talked to Alex about the no-motor zone, and he was telling me that there's um, a lot of mullet up in the no-motor zone. In fact, the other day, uh, the, the redfish were making them shower across the surface, uh, just crushing them up, up way up north. So uh, that's good to hear. I think that's also, too, maybe part of the, the, 
the situation going down right now is that <clears throat> we've got cool water temperatures, which we should still have for this time of year. And most of our fish are still kind of on the crustacean, getting into the uh, fin fish type diet now. You know, watching that big red fish yeah. today chase those mullet around, I was like, yeah, uh, <laughs> spring's here apparently. Um, so it's 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 going to be cool to see. Uh, I, that's one thing I wish I had with me today was one of those big giant uh, topwater plugs, like what you have you throw all the time. Yeah. I really, really yeah. wish I had one because there were some there were some big um, pogies that were in the river, some like turbo sized pogies that were in the river that kept skyrocketing. Something was chasing them around, big reds or whatever. And uh, just having something big to throw at them would I think might have might have helped out a little bit. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know, man. I'll tell you what I am getting ready to start doing. I'm going to start throwing a, uh, a spay rod a little bit. For those of you that are listening that are not familiar with what a spay rod is, it's basically just a longer fly rod. Uh, spay casting is different than normal fly casting. It's it's uh, a little bit more tricky, and the, but the difference is you can hurl a, a fly whew, a long, long way with it. And it's typically something that's done for like steelhead and salmon uh, up north, other salmon species, um, you know, Guys that are looking for uh, guys that are looking for um, you know fish on the other side of a creek or what have you, but if you can learn to throw a spay rod, I think that in the spring into the summer, <clears throat> reaching out and touching those fish that are a little spooky, a little skittish because the water's warm, you know they're a little bit more aggressive. I think it might actually help. Um, <laughs> Mike says it's more accurate from what YouTube has taught him. I'm proud of Mike. Mike came over to the shop the other day, um, Mike from New Smyrna Beach, and uh, picked himself up a uh, new fly rod and reel combo, so he's getting after it. Did, were you able to switch that, that reel over, buddy? See if he tells me here in the chat room. He was he needed to switch it, I think, from right-handed to left-handed or what have you. But um, So did it give you the bug, man, going on that uh, fishing that tournament? Did it make you want to uh, pick up that fly rod a little bit more? Oh, heck yeah, man. That's for sure. We already talked about it. I mean, Alan yeah. and I already talked about it, and, and it's like, that cheeky reel, you know how I normally post stuff for sale that I win? I'm not selling that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not selling that reel, man. That's, that reel is sweet, man. It really yeah. is, man. It's a That's nice a reel. reel. Yep. Yeah, man. And that thing, I'm staying with that reel, and it is going on a nice, it is going on a nice rod. It's going on a nice rod, and I'm going to do a little bit more fly fishing, by next year for salty fly, I, you know, we'll be, I'll be able to handle my own, you know, pretty much instead of just pulling the whole time. And that way we don't get so tired, both of us, doing the same thing the whole day. You know what I'm saying? It's like I was tired from pulling all day, and Alan was tired from throwing the fly all day. So it was one of those things you could switch up, you know, and it'll, it'll definitely get me uh, doing a little bit more plus. You know, I don't fly fish a lot. You know, I do it every once in a while. I've been out there with you, Chuck, and I've done it. But I'm not a big fly guy, and I don't. I haven't seen a lot of fish landed personally in front of me with fly. But this this last, what I did with Alan, that I'm on the top of the polling platform, and I see the fly land on the water, and I see those fish come up and just annihilate that fly, and then take off. The drag is taking off on that fly reel and the whole stuff, and 
dude, that was that was sick. That was awesome. That I mean yeah. that that I mean because it happened so close to you there with the fly rod. You know what I'm saying? It happened so everything happened so close to you right there. And 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 the thing is, man, it's just a pretty type of fishing. You know, you're placing that fly. You're trying to place that fly right in front of them. You know, so the fish sees it. And then, you know, just seeing the whole thing work, the way that works, it's it's beautiful, man. It really is. I really like that type of fishing. I mean, never really done it, you know. It's one of those things, you know me, I've always been conventional pretty much. I take the fly rod with me, never grab it. You know, I just grab the spinner. I see a school of fish, and I grab the spinner. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's, it's like, change. yeah, it's the thing when, you know, uh, years ago, um, I think I was, I was probably like nine and, uh, my grandfather came to me and he was like, Hey, you know, I got this old fly rod, you know, you ever interested in throwing it? And I'm like, nah, not really. <laughs> yeah. I had no ambitions to be a fly fisherman ever. And then, uh, my 10th birthday, my grandfather ended up buying me a, a starter kit. It was just, I mean, cheap, cheap starter kit from Mitchell. I still have to this day. And, uh, in fact, I need to hang it up on the wall over at the shop, but I, I taught myself how to cast and, and learned how to catch, you know, brim and, and bass and that kind of thing on fly. And that was fun. I took it to the river, caught some speckled trout on it, whatever. Um, I told, I tell the story quite a bit. I didn't catch my first redfish on fly until three or four years ago. I've caught. At, yeah. at, up and up until that point, I had caught just about everything else that swims in the river on fly you can think of, but that's the that's the one uh, that's the one fish man that eluded me for the longest time, and I, that's because I was like you. I see a tail pop up. I'm, I know <laughs> there's a there's a ninety percent chance I'm gonna I'm gonna catch that fish on a rod, on a spinner rod. You know, maybe not that, but maybe not that good. Maybe like a fifty percent chance yep. that I'm gonna get that fish on a spinner rod. Or I see a school pushing to me. I know I'm going to get one of them to eat, you know. And then exactly. to pick up the fly rod and do it. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. You, you, it's, it's that you go with what, exactly. It's one of those things that we're so confident with our, with our conventional reels, you know what I'm saying, with our spinning reels. We're so confident with it that it's our, it's, it's, it's our, it's our nature to go with, what we're comfortable with and and what we know we're going to catch fish with. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like you've got to break out from that. One of those days, like, we got to go out, Chuck, and just leave the spinners at home. Leave them. Just yeah. don't even bring them. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, the thing, yeah. too, is is if, if you're trying to – if you're listening to the show tonight and you're thinking about getting into fly fishing, I will be the first person to tell you, you don't fly fish because you want to catch more fish. You fly fish because you want to have that that shot, that one or two opportunities throughout the day where you watch the fish cruise up and swallow that fly or, or you see a fish cruising, you present a good cast and everything works right and that little knob on that reel goes absolutely berserk. Um, that's why you fly fish. I mean, I, <clears throat> if it was for law of averages, it wouldn't, you know, fly fishing would not be the way to do it. And if you had a fly fish to feed yourself, you'd starve. But, you yeah. know, um, <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm just thinking to myself every time I get ready to go fishing, whether it's with you or Alan or you know, the group of us or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I'll bring it, <laughs> you know, 
but yeah. we bring it along. It's like that day when, when I end up with that little tarpon you, you, you filmed for me. Um, yeah. I had it with me just in case. And, uh, hey, it worked out. But that that's a different situation. Those little tarpon are, are almost a guarantee on fly if you can get one in front of them. Um, small snook the same way. Uh, even trout the same way, but to try and uh, to try and get some of these reds, man, to, to gobble up a fly over here, especially from a kayak, is it can be can be a bit of a challenge. Um, my first redfish on fly came over. I'll tell you, it was across from Beacon Forty Two. It was the small little island north of Pardon. Um, it was a group of actually it was the first boondoggle up in Jacksonville. The guys came down and uh, fished with me and D Kaminsky. And we found a pocket of, of rats. And when I tell you that we caught three or 400 fish, I bet you I'm not exaggerating. That's crazy. I know I stopped counting redfish at like 50 something. No shit. I mean, it was, it was just, we, we had them just kind of corralled and it got to become, it actually became quite a, quite a bit of a joke because at any time, three or four guys are all hooked up at the same time, and they were all rats. I mean, they were they were you know fifteen to eighteen, nineteen inches. I mean, they were all about the yeah. same it, within that range. And so I'm sitting there. I'm on like redfish number probably thirty something on spin, and all of a sudden I, it dawns on me: you got a fly rod in the boat. Like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like. Wade your fat butt back over here and get the fly rod. So I walked back over, got the fly rod, come over. I, I kind of roll cast into the middle of the group where everyone was at. And uh, you can, the water was clean. And you can see this little white cotton mouth open up from a little rat trying to eat the fly. And he, he had it. And I went to strip set and I pulled it from him. And you'd have thought that I lost my best friend. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, no. You know, that was like, to me, that was my opportunity, right? And then uh, yep. two or three casts later, I, I finally got one. And uh, it was a little one. wasn't very big. Um, I don't know, maybe 17 inches or something like that. Uh, D took a couple of pictures for me, uh, me holding that fish. And, man, you thought I won the lottery with the smile I had on my face. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, and, but you know what, man? It was one of those things. I caught it on a fly that I tied, and it, I had pursued that stinking species of fish for a long time on fly and it finally all came together and, and those are the kinds of things that that i think that's why fly fishermen do do what we do and 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 that's why guys are willing to have so many shutout days for just that one that one shot at a fish you haven't caught yet on a fly or you know uh that one moment where you look up in front of you like you say you're on a polling platform and your buddy's on the bow or whatever, because I've done that before. I've pulled my buddies across a flat and, and watched them catch fish on fly. And it's it's for that moment when, as you said, the fly hits the water, give it a couple strips, a little bump, and the next thing you know, here comes this fish and just clobbers this thing. And it, the whole – the best part to me is once the fish eats the fly, you better have your stuff together because oh yeah when that, when that fish races off and, and you got fly line around your feet and around near a trolling motor or whatever else you got or just in the kayak you know uh man 
you can go from from hero to zero pretty quick if you, if your fly line ends up tangled on something. So uh, yeah, it's like it's like Alan was saying that's that that twenty six inch redfish that he caught on fly. That's that fish right there. You talk to him and he'll tell you that fish put him on the reel. It put him on the reel within a second or something like that. He said, it, and he said he said he was on the reel before he even knew it. All yeah. that line that he had laying around, like you said, it took that line in a matter of a second or so, something like that, he said. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's nuts. And, and you know, I last, well, two years ago now, I caught a, a nice red about a 38-incher um, over out in front of Harden. And I watched that fish come off, of, come off the island. I watched him kind of push in, seen the tip of his tail kind of moving across the surface, slid out in front of him, made a good cast, second strip, boom, he ate it. And just like Alan said, literally within seconds, I'm on the reel and he's dumping it. It's, it's not even like, yep. you know, in a spinning reel, you've got true, true to life. You might be fishing two, maybe three pounds of drag, like in reality. Right. Uh, but still yep. that, that, that level of drag is still much more significant than that of a fly reel and to, and to feel, to feel the power of a fish that you can't, manhandle you can't physically just snatch his face around if you wanted to because you know a you're using a light tippet or b you know you 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 might not have a real good hook set or in my case on that bigger fish i had uh shaved the barb down on the hook so i didn't want Mm -hmm. to get real crazy with it but at the same time i needed to keep them tight and man it's just it's such an adrenaline dump especially whenever you uh you got him going away from you, and, and finally he stops, and now you're you're trying to reel to keep him tight, and then next thing you know, he burns back at you. So now you've got a choice to make, right? Spinning reel, no big deal. Uh-huh. Real fast, right? You re- just reel faster with a spinning reel. And a fly reel, yep. you, your hand can only go so fast with a little nub, little nub reel in, in it. So yep. do, you, do you tuck and two-hand strip as fast as you possibly can? Uh, to keep that line tight, or I mean, how how do you go about doing it? So I mean, it's like split second decisions that you don't have to do with a spinning rod, which to me makes it all the more fun, you know. And uh, that happened to me with a tarpon. Actually, I've got a. I'm looking at it now. I got a broken uh, eight weight Loomis cross current uh, sitting here in the corner of of the Levi household. The Levi household because I had a tarpon. Well, I had a, a few small tarpon. Uh, rolling out in front of me one day at a uh, at a little little hidden gem of a fishing hole we have here, and uh, I threw to those smaller tarpon, which were about five pounds maybe, and had about a twenty five or thirty pounder eat. Didn't even see a big fish roll, but he come up and and gobbled up the fly and took off away from me, and in a matter of probably fifteen seconds. <laughs> I went from feeling like a hero when I put him in the air the first time to hearing the telltale uh, sounds of my rod tip blowing up when he ran away, right, got me on the reel, spun back, came back at me. And when he came back at me, I couldn't reel fast enough. So I was like just about to tuck the rod underneath my armpit and just start two-hand stripping. And the rod tip had spun a couple times while I'm trying to turn the handle. And the fly line wrapped the tip of the rod when the tarpon came to me, 
saw me, turned and booked it away from me, boom, blew it up. <laughs> blew the tip right off the freaking rod. Oh, and, man. And then, yeah, and then to add insult to injury, the bastard jumps right after that happens and throws the fly. <laughs> so oh, I didn't get a man. chance to land the thing. And I got a broken, I got a broken Loomis fly rod sitting in the corner now to show for it. And it's just, but man, it is, it is just so cool. And the, the idea of you being able to create something, tie your own fly, create something that for all intents and purposes probably shouldn't really work. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that you can take some, uh, some uh, raccoon fur and, a bird feather and some string and tie it on a hook and catch a, catch a fish. You know, the way that we treat these things, like they're the hardest thing in the world to catch. But yep. uh, when you, when you get into the tying side of it, I mean, now it's a whole different level, man. I mean, I don't know very many guys that make their own plastics or make their own hard baits. You know, there's just, there just isn't very many guys, but uh, it, when you, when you talk about tie and flies, it's one of those things, and it's a communal thing. That's something that you can get a bunch of your buddies together, have some drinks, smoke a couple cigars, sit around, sh- uh, swap fishing stories, tie up a bunch of flies, and, and just have a good time with it. And it, it's it's therapeutic, almost. You know, at least for me, it is. You know, there's times where you guys oh, yeah. will walk into this. Well, yeah, there's times when you guys will walk into the shop, and I'll be sitting over at the fly bench, and I'm just whipping out something, a crab fly or some kind of a shrimp pattern-ish looking thing or fish, whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and, and you know what? And I'm, I'm excited to see that side of the industry growing as far as with the younger, the younger crowd. Because for years and years and years, fly fishing has been looked at as an elitist type sport, right? I mean, let's face it. Most of the people who fly fish have – I shouldn't say that. A a good majority of people who fly fish uh, have have a lot of money and can travel around the world and fly fish in all kinds of cool spots and do and they they throw you know seven hundred dollar sages or even more they throw and on that they've got a seven hundred dollar fly reel you know so they've got a they have a fly combo that costs what most of our kayaks cost. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. But right now, what you're seeing, like with uh, with some of the guys like uh, Hassan and, and Willie, and you know Alan and, and and you, and some of the guys that are fishing these tournaments and whatnot, it's a much younger demographic, and it's more of a blue collar kind of a thing. I mean, that that combo Mike bought from me, and and Randy English bought from me, is a great entry level combo. I mean, it's it's a Reddington type combo, and it's. Uh, I think 189 bucks with fly line on it. So, I mean, it's it, the, the perception of it being a, a very expensive sport to get into is, is no, is not really, I guess, justified, you know, and it's not like we're fishing for bone fishing permit in here locally. We're fishing for red yeah. fish and trout mostly. So you don't have to have the best of the best to catch a redfish, you know, you just have to have uh, you just have to have you know a decent rod that'll sling the line that, you, that to get it out there to the fish. So, listen, right. listen I got to, my 
my uh my flight combo that I got, you know, I don't I don't got anything out of this world also, but I got uh remember I bought from Steve Brand, I ended up buying uh that G Loomis uh that G Loomis Pescado with uh G Loomis uh East Fork reel. Yeah. That's what I got. It's nice, you know, for what it is. It's not it's not expensive, you know what I'm saying? It's not not one of these expensive things or anything like that. That's what I got right now as a starter. Um they're not that, you know, you can get some good ones, like you're saying, like the ones you got in the shop, man. That's perfect for starting out. You start out with that thing, man, see if you like it and stuff, and if you get hooked on it and stuff like that, then you move up and get yourself something really, really nice, you know? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it's it's good to get into it at the ground level. I mean, look, look at what most of us are fishing with as far as spinner reels. I mean, come on. Let's, let's get serious now. Right? CI4s. 199 bucks, 209 bucks, 219 bucks, whatever. You know, even uh, even the Akuma Helios, $139. You know, when you're talking just a few more dollars you can get or a few less dollars, you can get a fly outfit for less than what we spend or a little bit more than what we spend on spinning reels. Yeah. Come on. You know, I mean, honestly. And then when it comes to fly tying, you can get a really nice little vice, you know, spend uh, – I don't know, under a hundred bucks and get a good beginner's vice and, or spend a little bit more money and get a better, a little bit better vice. And then, you know, all your materials and that kind of stuff, you just kind of gather up as you go along. And, uh, it's just a really, really cool sport. I mean, it, it's one of those things that a lot of kayakers don't even think about doing out of the kayak because of space, because of whatever, um, or because of sitting down can be a problem. And truth be told, most of my fly fishing I do, I get out of the boat and just wade. You know? That's right. So I don't know. It's a lot of fun, man. It's one of those things that when 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 we decided that we were going to do the outfitters shop, I mean, I, I knew that's a part of the business that I really really wanted to have was uh, the fly. Um, and just look at the stores you go into, like Richard's store down there, Harry Goods. I love going into Richard's shop because almost always there's somebody sitting there tying a fly or at least sitting there yeah. messing with fly tying material. Right. Uh, and exactly. he's got a great, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to tell you, speak of the devil, you saying that about somebody sitting in there tying flies or something like that in Rich's shop. And you're right. Just today, just today, flip pallet was in there today. So, so you just never know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's true. And, you know, when you when you talk to you talk to uh, like the Renzettis, right? It, for folks who aren't familiar with fly fishing, the Renzetti name probably doesn't mean much to you. But the Renzettis make arguably one of the world's finest fly vices, fly tying vices. They also build rod building lathes and, and a few other things as well. Um, lots of fly tying tools and things like that. And they're also the U.S. distributor for just at H2O uh, fly tying material, the uh, South African company. And they're local to us. Um, they're they're local to us. They're uh, they're right here in Titusville, and right down the street from the Hell's Bay factory where they build all the Hell's Bay boats. And when the Renzettis have a an open house or they have something going on, if you're a fan of fly fishing, if you if you if you're like me and you kind of grew up watching some of these guys like Flip Pallet, some of these other guys. Um, it would behoove you to try and make it to these events because that's who shows up. Like 
Lefty Cray, Flip Pallet, I mean, John Cave, yeah. like the best of the best of the best. I mean, the godfather, so to speak, of, of saltwater fly fishing. And, you know, I don't think I shared this story on my show yet, but I'll share it right now. It, we're, we were all, I'm sure, everyone from Ed to Mark Lozier, all the way through uh, the guys who are all in the chat room there um, and people listening to the show. We're, we've all been a fan of Jose Wehebe. Right. I mean, it's, of course, after he passed away, um, it kind of left a void in the television market for a, a really, really good uh, fishing show. Jose Wehebe was one of those guys that like, you know, people idolized, you know, looked up to or whatever. Um, I had an opportunity with Steve Chapman and Mike Ortigo to interview um, to interview uh, Flip and Lefty Cray at the same time for Fishing Florida Radio. And and I'm I'm going to tell you I've been very very fortunate in my life to do a lot of really cool things. That was probably one of those moments that will sit at the very top of things outside of family type awesomeness that I've ever experienced. I mean, you're talking about uh, Flip Pallet is the man who I watched in Walker's K Chronicles. I used to I used to record his shows on VHS tapes when I was a little kid. And, and watch him back again because he was it was just the best show that I've ever seen on television. Make a long story short, so turns out Lefty Cray gave Jose Wehebe his first fly fishing lesson on on a loading dock down in Miami. Crazy, like you never would who would ever <laughs> on a loading that. dock. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. and so they kept in touch. Jose was a little kid, right? His dad called. Book the book the class or whatever. They they uh, Jose was a little kid. They kept in touch, and Lefty would check in on him, see how he was doing, whatever the whole time. And then Flip became kind of a part of his life as well. They they uh, they would go out and they'd all fish together or whatever. Um, turns out that when Flip Pout lived down in Miami, he was he was a banker. He was a loan guy out of a bank. That was his job, and. Yep. Flip gave Jose his first loan for a boat, a truck, and fishing gear so he can become a guide. Crazy. Crazy. This is, this is one of those stories where you're sitting there and you're just like, really? <laughs> you know, like, okay, so here's the guy who I look up to and I'm, 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 I'm just in awe of it. If you've never heard Flip Pallet speak outside of Walker's K Chronicles or any of the shows you may have seen him on, he talks the same exact way when you're talking to him. And that voice is like a, you know, it's like that storyteller voice where he just kind of draws you in. So anyhow, so we're sitting there, we're listening to the story. And uh, he tells me, yep, you know, and, and he, you know, Jose was on my show uh, a few times. I had him on as a guest on my show a few times. And then, you know, uh, we helped him to get his show started and blah, 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 blah. And Jose, most folks don't know, had a, had a, a pretty substantial tie here locally. Um, a good friend of mine, Derek Redwine, and Jose were, were basically best buds. And uh, so Jose, it wasn't uncommon for him to be here in Bavard County, especially fishing in the Banana River, the Indian River, or the No Motor Zone. I know he fished in the No Motor Zone quite a few times with Derek, but um, – you know, just to hear stories from from Lefty and from Flip and and about him 
and kind of like how they all kind of bonded and whatever else. It was it was pretty pretty awesome, man. It was pretty awesome. I I will say that uh, yeah, I, I just I'm reading what what uh, Andrew Mixon said, and it's true. Um, his flip flops will never be filled. Um, here's a guy that could, that could have shown up. He did. He showed up at ICAST one year wearing like blue jeans, a sports coat and some flip flops. I mean, like no one else could get away with that. Like that guy got away with it. It was just really cool. But to watch him, uh, watch his videos, watch his shows, the way that he, he had a passion for fly fishing. Uh, that's really, I think what, what it comes down to. We all love to fish, right? I mean, there's no doubt about it. Obviously you're listening to a fishing show and we all get crazy when we get, when it comes time to go fishing ourselves. But there's a difference. I don't know. I'm not real sure why it is, but there's there is a big difference between those who fly fish, the passion they have for that side of the sport, and everybody else that fishes. You know, when, when you fly fish and, and it and it's in your blood, when you when you just you have to do it, man. It's 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 strange, man. It really is. It, it's one of those things that. You know, if you haven't experienced it yet, you need to go out, grab yourself a fly combo. If you've got one that's got dust all over it, dust it off. Pull all your fly line, that your, the fly line you have on your fly reel off. Stretch it out real good. Make sure you uh, take care of it, coat it up, and then take it out, man. Grab yourself a handful of Clouser minnows. Any fly shop worth their weight will, can either tie you up some or sell some to you. And Clousers are great because they work for just about everything. And go to an edge of a flat where you know there's some schooly trout and just cut your teeth on some schooly trout. It's one of those things that I'm, I'm telling you, you just, once, once, once the fly bug bites you, so to speak, it, it, it's going to take hold, man. It's just one of those, it's just one of those things. Peppy, you said it best, man, standing on the polling platform and watching Alan chuck a fly and watch a redfish swamp and eat it. It's all, it's just, Nothing can compare to that. Yeah. I mean, it beats watching anybody with a spinning rod throw an artificial out and catch a redfish. I mean, it beats that by 100 times, I'm telling you. I mean, it's that, it's that, it's that much better to, 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 to see it done with a fly rod. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's just beautiful. Just the whole, the whole thing about, about, how you caught that fish, how you worked to catch that fish, you know, the whole thing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's awesome to see it, to see it done. And then not only that, it's the whole fight afterwards, like you're saying. If you catch a big fish, and you got a big fish on that fly rod, like you said, you have a little teeny reel in your hand. You're, you're trying to catch up because, yeah, you're trying to catch up. That fish starts swimming towards a boat or whatever. You better start moving your hand. You better start reeling fast. I mean, as fast as you can. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. Uh, I mean, it's I don't know what else can you say about it. It's, it's just great. Now, a couple of products, real quick, to talk about that I think most guys might would want to carry with them if you're going to decide to fly fish from your kayak and you're kind of new to it. Bring a towel with you, like a beach towel. A beach towel will be your best friend. Take that beach towel and just lay it down over your pedals. Lay it down over your center hatch if you have one. That'll keep everything from getting all tangled up on the floor if you've got, you know, uh, clips and stuff to hold the center hatch shut or if you have pedals that are kind of close to wherever you're standing and stripping. If you don't have a stripping basket, 
Um, if you don't want to spend a bunch of money on a, stri- on a stripping bucket, <coughs> because they're not cheap, <laughs> you can go out and no. pick up a. <laughs> no, they're not. You can go out. And you can no. you can pick up a uh, a uh, five gallon bucket, or you know some guys will, will take. Um, and I've used them before. The laundry baskets that pop up, you can get it like Walmart or whatever. Um, Target sells the. Uh, the pop-up laundry baskets, those work real well for a not-so-windy day. Um, you can take a, uh, you can take a, uh, a pretty heavy, pretty substantial weight, maybe like a downrigger ball or something like that, throw it at the bottom, put a towel over top of it, just to kind of weigh it down in the boat so it doesn't blow around. Um, or, as somebody on Facebook recently had shown, uh, you can go to like Home Depot or, uh, or Lowe's, and pick up one of those uh, kitchen mats or, or workroom mats that has the holes, little circles cut out of it, mm-hmm. and take some zip ties and uh, wrap zip ties around those holes and kind of make stand-up fingers on them, right? And then, uh, and then this way here, when you're stripping straight down, your fly line is landing. Those pieces of, uh, of zip ties that are sticking straight up will help keep everything from getting real tangled. Which, which is nice, and especially in big boats like the PA, um, the, uh, the Diablo, uh, the New Canoe, boats that have big open, fl- uh, you know, flat floors, the, uh, the Slayer 14.5, um, any of those boats that, that you can get away with putting something like that down will help save some aggravation. Or just jump out. <laughs> jump out and wade. Because the beauty of wading is you can just strip wherever you want to throw the line. It doesn't make a difference. Just throw it next to you in the water. You can wear yeah. a belt basket. You can wear uh, – I've seen some guys that have uh, like a floating station that they carry with them where they kind of strip into like a floating bucket, so to speak. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. But um, Yeah, I've seen – yeah, Alan has one of those waist belts. He has one of those um, – yeah, he didn't reuse it this weekend, but he does have one of those. I don't know the names of them, but those seem pretty good. Yeah, so, you know, a couple of those types of things. And then uh, – you know, just for typical use here locally, um, especially in the Space Coast area, for most of what you're going to fish, so up on the up on the flats, a lot of grass from time to time, a good high floating line works real well. You can use a uh, redfish taper, I mean a redfish line, or you can use, uh, I use a bass line, to be honest with you, because the bass line to me floats a little bit higher even than the redfish line will, um, and it throws real nice, so... Yeah, that's getting kind of crazy. Um, Alan is a Rubbermaid basket with a rope tied around his waist. <laughs> that's messed up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, hey. Yeah. I if saw you can those, make it work. Know, I'm not, yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not big, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm one of those, you know, novice fly, you know, I'm going to get into it a little bit more and everything like that. And this was my real first go around at a big fly fishing event like this, like this weekend and stuff. And like you said, I was amazed. I looked at those, you know, they had those stripping baskets there, the ones that go on the, on the flats boat, like you said, Chuck. Yeah. And when I saw the prices on those things, man, I sat there and I went, what? $175, $180 for a piece of PVC? <laughs> yeah, man, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? Are they crazy? <laughs> we need to go in the market is that what you're saying we need to go in the business of oh. making stripping baskets 
oh, my God, I guarantee you it doesn't cost that much to make. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> Uh, I just so happen to know a guy that works for a, a huge irrigation uh, supply house. So I wonder what the biggest piece of PVC you can find me is. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, yeah the reels are cheap, too. It's a piece of PVC. Yeah, they can be. You know, it's, a, re- it's yeah. a piece of PVC, what it is, big, fat, round one, and then it has a bottom, another piece of plexiglass or something, whatever it is on the starboard, on the bottom of it is all it really is. And you think about it. It can't be, can't be that much. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I'll whittle, I'll whittle one out of wood, man, before I pay that. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. So what? I, back, back up a little bit here. Spazzy, uh, Justin Ritchie says uh, off topic. Hobie World Championship is in the Netherlands this year. Thoughts? Uh, yes, please. That's my thought. Yeah. I, I would love yeah. to go to the Netherlands. I have a passport. It has no stamps. I'd like to make the Netherlands the first stamp. So, Frank, anybody from Hobie yeah. who may or may not be listening to this, I'll get, throw my hat in the circle, please, in the ring. Um, now, I think that what they're, they're mainly doing uh, nowadays for the, the Hobie World Championships is that they do a lot of um, – they give everybody a uh, an opportunity to win their way into that trip. So, uh, got to pay your own. Yeah, way. I think that's. A, yeah, I think what it is, Chuck. I think I've seen several that they do pay. They pay your entry and all that stuff if you win your way in or something like that, like with those qualifiers. But yeah. but then you have to work your way there. You have to get there. Yeah. Uh, I'll sell one of my that children would... to the Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. I don't even know what you catch over there. Uh, who knows, man? Netherlands. Probably <laughs> trout, trout, pike, something like that. Bass. Yeah, I'm sure know. there's bass. There's bass like on every continent in, in the world. So ice mm-hmm. fishing, Mike says. <laughs> you, everyone just sits around in PA is drilling holes in ice and, sliding yeah. across the ice well folks we're at the top of our hour um i think uh andrew have we heard back from your buddy when he'll be available i don't remember our conversation we're supposed to have uh a gentleman from L- Lawrence contacting us here on the show we're going to talk a little bit about uh march 17th all right march 17th will be the day where we will talk about um, <clears throat> pro staff and pro staff type scenarios. Next Monday. Next Monday. Okay. So, yeah. so we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to the gentleman from Lawrence, pro staffery exactly. Uh, as most of you are aware, especially no, non pro staff Murdoch, <laughs> um, the the word pro staff all too often is give is is being thrown around like it's a uh, well, it's a family show, so I won't go there. But it's uh, it's getting thrown around quite easily nowadays, and um, it's kind of out of control. Uh, some of us who have been at this for a long time have sat back and kind of watched the debauchery of, of folks who just bought a kayak yesterday, caught one redfish, and all of a sudden they're pro staff on seven different companies. So 
um, or those that catch small bass in private ponds. But, uh, you know, um, it's, it's interesting to hear from the manufacturers their, their take on the whole pro staff thing. So it'll be interesting to hear from him. Maybe we'll try and get somebody else to, to call in as well, another manufacturer who, who's constantly hounded for pro staff uh, spots or whatever. Um, but it's one of those topics that every, what, three or four days somebody brings up on Facebook or in one of the forums and stuff. And yeah. so it's definitely kind of a hot topic to talk about. Guys get fired up. Some dudes get all emotional and, and can't handle it. And other dudes just sit back and laugh at them. So, yeah. you I know, was, it's... Uh, I was talking to, uh, just to just to say, I was talking to one of the, actually one of these manufacturers that that we deal with in our industry today. I was actually talking to the owners today and they were actually, it was, it was, uh, we were talking about it. They literally get uh, close to a hundred emails between, you know, anywhere between 40 to 50 to a hundred emails a day just for pro staffing. I mean, that's, I mean, a day they get this Chuck. <laughs> Crazy. I, I'm not even going to exaggerate. I get probably, if not three or four Facebook messages, I get a handful of emails, and I get a couple of walk-ins every week at the shop of guys asking if I have a KBB Outfitters Pro Staff. So, man, you know, and I do ish. <laughs> I don't call it a Pro Staff. I call I call everybody who helps us out um, ambassadors to the shop. I mean, they do a great job and. Uh, you know, dudes that show up all the time, and when we ask them to come and do demo days or do this or do that or whatever, they're they're available. They help us out. They show up even when we don't even ask them to. That kind of thing, you know. And and honestly, that that in itself, my friends, is is the point. That's the point. It's when you do yep. things for somebody that it's when you do things for a company that they don't even ask you to do. You know. But the KBB Pro Staff costs twenty nine ninety five. You get a newsletter. No, bro. Listen, if I was going to sell spots, they'd be they'd be a lot more than that. I got to start saving up for the other <laughs> one. So that's how I'm going to go about it. You want to be on the KBB Outfitters uh, Pro Staff? It is going to cost you half a plane ticket to the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. Cash in your air miles. <laughs> let me know. No, but. Uh, you know, that's the thing. It's just, it's one of those conversations that happens all the time. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny for those of us that, uh, we, you know, well, it's, it's funny for those of us that feel like we've earned our spot and it's to listen to guys gripe and, and get butt hurt about it. I'm, and Yeah. Yep. But it's, it's the world we live in nowadays, man. It's what it is. I mean, like I told you, I know years, you knew how, you knew I was, uh, Years ago, I was part of, before I even started kayak fishing like this, I was I was involved in archery, big time. I was big into archery. I had sponsors, the whole kinds of stuff, and that. that was, I had to get out of that because once I had the kids, it, that's it. I could not do it because you have to literally practice every day for two or three hours. So I had to get out of that. But it was the same thing over there. You know, you get a lot of sponsors, all this stuff and everything. Like, and it's just the nature of the of the hobby, I would say. You know, it's the nature of the hobby is what it is, and you're going to get all kinds I know you've seen it out there just like I've seen it. Lately, there's been a few people on there on Facebook. I've seen it 
all of a sudden this guy from nowhere, I don't know who this guy is, and this guy's just throwing up pictures or whatever stuff of fish tagging every single company you could imagine. I mean, I, I seen I sit there and laugh. I'm like, what the hell? Who, who the hell is this guy? What this guy's crazy? It's like this guy's tagging every single every single company out there. <laughs> I want you know what I want to see, Peppy. I want I want you to take a picture. It could be a picture of anything. Just take one of your old fishing pictures. Post it up and hashtag all of your supporters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just hashtag everybody, you know? And <laughs> just just yeah. to see how just to see what it looks like. It's the most ridiculous oh thing you've ever seen. And I and I yeah. and I did it this I did it the other day. I, I did the same thing. I hashtag like all of my all my sponsors and I deleted it before I before I hit enter because it <laughs> it was just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Captain Hat and then you, yeah, then you do hashtag hashtag and uh, but you know it is what it is. Um, you know the 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 industry as a whole. It, it's what's funny is this doesn't happen as much in the outside of the kayak fishing world. It's much much harder for you to be a fiberglass boat runner and get get the same kind of treatment. It's because this industry is in its infant stage and you've got folks you got folks that are trying to jump on the bandwagon and trying to, you know, promote themselves and, and everything and, and hey, cool. You know? I look at it like this. That's right. If you get out there and and you you do what you do and that's catch fish and you're good at it and you know if somebody asks you to come and do a seminar, you're not going to look like a bumbling idiot trying to talk through a seminar and you can, you know, present yourself in a, in a, in a good fashion to the industry. Um, hey, more power to you, brother. We all, we were all there once and, you know, it's just, it's, 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 I think the way folks go about doing it is the, is the thing, you know, and, uh, but I don't know. What a couple exactly. of things real quick I want to talk about. We're about ready to get out of here. I want to I want to congratulate um, Rob Devore and Mike Kaneen for winning the uh, Paddling Film Festival Documentary of the Year. For those of you that did not come out and see Mike's video, if you live local, if you didn't come out and watch Mike's movie. Um, Wherever the paddling film tour may pop up, it would behoove you to go watch this movie. Um, Peppy, you saw it, and uh, you know some of the other guys there in the chat room may or may not have come out and saw it. Um, I got a chance to watch it, and uh, it's a very telling tale. Um, Mike pretty much doesn't keep any hold anything back. In fact, there's a lot about Mike and his wife that that most of us that know them fairly well would, uh, you know, you, you never would have thought in a million years was them, but it was a great job. Great. It was, it was shot incredibly. And, uh, also too, Rob's other movie, um, Bassin on the road was picked up for the film tour as well. So Rob has two videos that were picked up for the film tour. Um, good work, buddy. I'm sure you're going to listen to this podcast later on. Uh, he's come a long way from his first boondoggle video of 19 minutes of driving to Chukaluski. <laughs> oh 
and uh, if you guys don't remember that video, go check it out. The uh, Chukaleski Boondoggle video. It's like nine minutes of just driving down the road, filming out a window. So, but uh, he knows I love him, man. That's it's awesome. Um, also, too, I'd like to send out my uh, my condolences and my sympathy to the Brevard County Sheriff's Office family and law enforcement the law enforcement family in, in, in total, um, for the loss of Daryl Connor. Uh, Connor was a, a really, really good friend of mine. Um, one of those guys that when you met him, you just instantly liked him. Uh, he's a correctional deputy here in Bavard County who recently passed away. Um, you know, it's rest in peace, buddy. I appreciate all the times you have my back, man. That guy saved my, my butt more times than I can talk about. I mean, in, in having fights with, uh, with prisoners and having, you know, guys just try and break bad and him, he just like comes out of nowhere. Jimmy Superfly snook a style and <laughs> helps to, uh, maintain order and, and everything else, man. The guy, uh, he was a solid, solid dude and he will be missed by a lot of folks, man. So, uh, rest in peace, brother. Your watch is over. Uh, with that being said, um, why don't you go ahead and just take us out of here, man? Let's get out of here for the night. Let's do this, huh? Let me find your list. My page here. Yeah, that's what I am doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I gotta thank uh, Native Watercraft, Aquabound Paddles, Walker Coolers, Harry Goods Outdoor Shops, Larry Ink Lures, Tackle Webs, Hook One, Yak Attack, Packs by Bo, KBB Outfitter, Tailing Toads. And ram mounts. Also, I want to give a big shout out to. Uh, at the same time, they're not one of my sponsors or anything like that. But let me tell you, RCI Optics. You know me, Chuck. I've always been a Costa guy. I've always been yeah. a Costas. And let yeah. me tell you, man. I got some RCI Optics today. Those things are badass, man. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I just I just wanted to put that out there, you know. They're not one of my sponsors or anything like that, but man, let me tell you, man, those glasses are awesome. Indeed, they are. <clears throat> um, which, by the way, you can come by and purchase at KBB Outfitters, or if you're listening to the show and you want to buy a pair of RCI optics and you know what frames you like, feel free to contact me. I'll be more than happy to place those in the mail and send them to you. Um, there yeah, you go. So I like to, yeah, there you go. So I like to thank. Uh, I'd like to thank um, Hobie Kayaks, Orca Coolers, Tackle Webs, Yak Gear, Railblazer. Uh, of course, I'd like to thank Ego Nets, ENO, um, Adventurous Custom Rods, Real Adrenaline Energy Drinks, hashtag, 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 um, KBB Outfitters, KBB, uh, Kayaks by Bo, and uh, I think that's it. I think. You think? <laughs> you'll think of one later on watch i don't have i don't have my list in front of me um but i do i do definitely <laughs> want to give a huge shout out <clears throat> as peppy had said folks right coast independent rci optics that's what that stands for right coast independent these guys are local they own uh shady characters over in Cocoa beach and in indy atlantic um they're, they have four retail locations as of right now that I'm aware of. Us, their two shops, and then New Smyrna Outfitters. Um, not a not a better bunch of guys that I've ever met. They gave me an opportunity to carry their their brand. 
As Peppy said, I've been a long time Costa Del Mar wear. I've had plenty of pairs of, uh, of, uh, 580s and 400s and glass and both polycarbonate and glass. And, uh, <clears throat> today I, I was able to see a little bit further in the water than I used to could. Um, my eyes weren't as, as tired after having the day on the water that they typically are. And uh, I personally like to wear the monster holes. I got a big fat head, so they, they, they look nice on me and uh, in the copper lens. They're also military grade uh, ballistic proof um, or ballistic rated uh, lenses as well. So you don't have to worry about if you drop them, they're not going to shatter in a million pieces or they're really hard to scratch as well. They have a, um, they have a coating on them as well that allows for the water to uh, beat up and dissipate off the, off the lenses. Uh, pretty fast, no streaks, none of that kind of stuff. You can just wipe them off with your shirt. But uh, check them out, man. RCIOptics.com, I believe, is their website. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns regarding to the show, feel free, as always, to either hit up Peppy or myself on Facebook. And uh, you can contact me via email, redfishchuck at hotmail.com. I hope everybody has a great evening. Take your kids fishing to the future of our sport. And that's it. You got anything else, Pet? Oh, that's it, man. Good. Cool. Until next week, we hope you guys get out there, get some tight lines, and uh, have some calm winds. And if you don't have calm winds, buy a Hobie. Get a sale. <laughs> See y'all. Yeah. Take it easy. See ya.